This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform. This is one of our quick start classes. Uh, we record these because sometimes we actually say some stuff that really matter to people and we like to have that available so we can pass it along. And uh, today we actually have a really small class. I think there's a little bit of confusion on when these classes are and uh, who can use them and the questions that they might have and stuff. Um, currently, the people that you see is uh, Sam. Sam is a new intern, but as you can probably tell from Science Lab Off Topic and the Meal Planning Group and the Lifers Group and stuff like that, he's been able to offer a lot of cool stuff as it relates to um, training, you know, videos and, and uh, well, then obviously stripping dance videos, you know, we can't. We can't neglect that. Um, but yeah, so so Sam's bringing a lot to the table now. Um, he's also pretty smart as it relates to, to nutrition. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, he should be able to contribute a little bit. Catherine, is your mic on? Um, I'm guessing Catherine's mic is not on, but she is making a thread. She's struggling. Yeah, she's making a thread in the background for all of this information. So when we talk to people, then go to the Quick Start forums and then uh, grab that information. Or if they have like a question, and then we say, "Well, you should check out this article," then you know we can kind of kind of do that. Um, so, Rena, since you're the first person here, you know, is there anything that that um, well, first of all, like how long have you been doing Eat Reform and, and why did you sign up and kind of run uh -huh. me through that a, a bit? Um, I have been with Eat Reform maybe three weeks. I think I'm on my third week right now. Oh, cool. Um, why did I sign up? Uh, <laughs> to get control of my diet, actually. I just, I've been lifting and gaining weight and just not, I'm kind of all over the place. So I needed kind of some sort of direction. My trainer suggested to perform so yeah so and I try in terms of like your diet history what other things have you tried and and why do you feel like those things haven't really stuck for you um gosh I've done you name it I've done it um I've done paleo I've done the typical low fat I've done South Beach I've done all that stuff most of it basically because I'm starving and then I eat and my problem is like I'll starve myself through the day and then all of a sudden eat everything in sight. You know, I'll stop at Burger King and eat, you know, 3,000 calories worth of junk. No, that's, the, I mean, you know, that that's something that I can personally admit to for many years of my life. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, the meal planning group, I think, um, shoot, I don't think I started the broadcast. The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are listen-only mode. <laughs> this is the second time I didn't start, start I the broadcast. So Catherine is, is probably like, I'm here, I'm here, Paul, just talk to me. Right. Um, luckily, we only went minutes here and not, not the, the, the half hour. The half hour that we did last time. But no, I, I think it is interesting. You know, one of the things um, a friend of mine once said, that I thought really resonated with me. Um, we were on a, on a, a webinar like this, 
and uh, someone was asking her how she initially got up to 275 pounds and and she's like I dieted my way there you know and basically I think the tendency for all of us is to kind of you know kind of do it in almost an uninformed way you know like all of the things that you mentioned the tendency is to go way too aggressive and then it really you know you get to that point where you, you just like your will is going to 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 give in at some point and then all of a sudden it's cheesecake time you know yeah. and uh which is okay on the south beach side right <laughs> that's 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 part of the justification that we always always give ourselves right. you know what's interesting about that though is that uh you know, I think one of the things that we've been real honest about since day one is that the failure is part of the process, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, all those diets that I did, it would have been easy to go. I failed all of them. And then I sort of learned that those diets failed me. Right. But what was really interesting was dissecting. And I think Sam and Catherine probably would agree with this, is that all of those things that, you know, you read about and you learn from, you can pick up one or two things. And so it's not like, it's not like paleo would have been useless or you just wasted your, your time with that. Or a South Beach diet, you wasted your time with that. I mean, when you look at the basis for, you know, what we sort of teach people, especially if they're like carb cycling, you know, having most of your carbohydrates on the days that you're working out and then sort of cycling so you can kind of get rid of, you know, systemic inflammation and, and things of that nature. Also, sometimes kind of allowing for a little bit of a deficit, that's that, you know, that can be helpful. It sort of depends on where your level of comfort is, you know, um, and uh yeah, no, I, I think it's funny because not a lot of people admit to the whole Burger King thing, but I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I did it many years, you know. Um, I mean, anything that, that you can think of, and, and by the way, you know, most all of you have been upgraded to the, uh, you know, to panelists, so you can just jump on on the webcam and then, you know, we can kind of talk to you. We have kind of a smaller group. Josh and Misty, if you guys um, didn't hear me before, which you probably didn't because we didn't start the broadcast, um, go ahead and, and you guys can use the chat to um, to ask How us do questions. I, see the chat? I can't see the chat. You don't need to worry about the chat. I mean, it's part of the yeah, it's part of the little the little um, navigation thing that you have from GoToWebinar. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, ah. So how, how, okay, so, you know, it's interesting because um, there, there's kind of like this combination of, of people like you who have been doing it for three weeks, and then there's a combination of people that have been doing it for a long period of time, and they're coming out of a performance-focused fat loss phase and things like that. And so there's a bunch of people at various phases. What would you say, you know, is being kind of like the most interesting part and the part that you think you need the most help with right now? Um, I think just the mix of macros is actually interesting because it's kind of different than anything I've done before. A whole heck of a lot of carbs on training days. Um, I think the hardest thing for me, honestly, is just kind of getting that mix. I've started being a little more successful this week, but before then, 
it was a little hard. Like I get to the end of the day and go, oh, wow. Well, <laughs> you know, I yeah. still need two steaks worth of protein. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it, you know, in the meal planning group, one of the things that, um, you know, we try to, we try to coach people through is, um, you know, you'll often see people go, I've got 74 fats that I still have to eat, you know? And, and, you know, usually a coach will call them out and say, you should have prepared better. You know, you right. should have, you know, and usually like if you can prepare the the day before, um, mm-hmm. we actually have some really cool templates that are, are coming. You've probably already seen the first iteration of the templates. And then we have the three day templates that are going to be matched around your workouts, which, you know, it's sort of interesting. Um, you know, I, I know Sam posted something recently that talked about, you know, kind of the, um, you know, the amount of macros are, or let's see, uh, quality, um, quantity, or quantity, quality, variety, and then timing. And it's funny because people focus on the timing part as if it's like magic. And I can tell you that it's not magic, right? I mean, calorie balance always matters. That's the biggest thing by far, you know. Right. And trying to get your work capacity up to a point where your metabolism is functioning at a high level. And then you can obviously use that at some future point. One of the recent podcasts that I did was actually about a half hour. And it was, it was actually one of these quick start classes. Um, was um, Life After Dieting. And in that, I walk people through what happens after a performance-focused fat loss period. Um, because a lot of people tend to want to think, okay, well, I'll just buckle down for eight weeks, right? And it's, they think of it sort of the way that they thought of all their other diets. You know, I'm going to be really super rigid for those eight weeks. Well, kind of got bad news for you. You have to sort of allow for that adjustment period afterwards as well, right? Um, but you're in the period right now where you're trying to, um, get your macros up to a point where your metabolism is thriving. And one of the things that I think kind of paralyzes people in the beginning is they get scared of gaining weight or they get scared of, you know, lots of different things. And if you can kind of bump, you know, you'll obviously have more energy throughout the day. You know, it'll sort of change you know, really everything and sort of upregulate everything all at once. The problem is, is that, well, let me explain to you this way. Okay. So you've been kind of dieting. Maybe you have a bad relationship with food. You're doing Burger King sometimes. You're, you're, you're eating a salad sometimes, but it's not all perfect, right? Now, all of a sudden you go, okay, I'm going to buckle down. So you do something, you know, um, that might be like a naughty and nice list of food. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 14 days and you're like, ain't nobody got time for that. I got to actually eat like a normal human being. And then you hear about eat form and then you're like, boom, cheesecake time, you know? And <laughs> what I would discourage people from doing is going cheesecake time. But at the same time, as you start to add food and you start to upregulate your metabolism, it is possible to upregulate your level of activity. 
And I think what happens with people when they start, you know, hearing about reverse dieting and things like that, and I know that that's like a hot topic for Sam, but, you know, my reverse dieting last time was about, I don't know, 30 minutes, <laughs> right? I mean, I just started upping my level of activity, you know, and I never really saw any weight gain um, because, you know, it was, it was time to, you know, match my output with my input, right? And, and you can do that, you know. Um, I will say, you know, it, it, it's a little bit, you know, it's a fine line because, you know, you can get sick in that scenario. A lot of times, you know, when you're dieting, your sleep cycles might not be great. You know, you have to make a lot of adjustments. And then all of a sudden you start to eat food again. And you try to find, you, you try to hit that wave, you know, perfectly. And it's not perfect. And that's okay, right? That's mm -hmm. that's kind of part of the deal sometimes. I think, um, if you don't mind me jumping in, Paul, yeah, I just go ahead. a few things. Um, I think one big thing for me, um, especially learning, you know, like you said, the macros is kind of interesting and all that. Um, I think getting into a routine, it takes a little bit to get used to um, kind of what foods you need to eat to hit like certain macronutrient targets. And um, that all comes with time. I usually tell people, yeah, you, you need to plan, but you don't want to be super anal about it either like just relax like don't try not to stress out because it, it will it takes just a little bit of time to understand you know what kind of foods you enjoy um while still hitting your macronutrient targets so don't uh don't kill yourself over it just give it a little time so i thought i'd hopefully that helped a little because i see a lot of people stress about they're like i have all this food left and i don't know what to eat and also right. relax like it's okay. It'll take a little bit of time. Well, and I think the other thing too is that that people tend to think that you know, like coming here and asking us questions, and 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 then then going off to the side and and trying to figure it out on your own, like that that's okay. But you know, at the same time, like like jump in, you know, um, like you know, Sam's posted maybe three or four videos right now where he's talking about squat technique. He's talking about, you know, ab exercises and, and things of this nature. I've been doing a lot on how to increase volume throughout the day, you know, and you and I seem to be, you know, kind of a, a similar age. And I think one of the temptations, yeah, and I think one of the temptations that we have for athletes our age is to, one, overdo it sometimes, you know, in, in, a, in an effort of like, you know, I just want to solve this today, you know. Um, but then also, yep. yeah, but in, in, in kind of almost without respect for, you know, limitations. You know, I know, I mean, if you want the truth, I'll tell you the truth. You know, the truth is, is that I sometimes get sick, that I sometimes you know uh feel you know my tendons get a little achy or my joints get a little achy or something of that nature i'd rather do that and push it than always keep it slow and not you know when we're talking about adaptation and we're talking about you know muscle building right i mean 
you know, you're really talking about, you know, creating blood vessels and capillaries and, and new tissue and all this other stuff. Like you need to give your body a reason to do so, you know? So like when you feel your tendons, like we have some of the highest rates of osteoporosis, right? In the world. Yet we have the highest rates of calcium consumption in the world. And it makes no sense and unless you know that most people aren't doing anything as it relates to adaptation. You know? I mean, you can eat, you know, all the steak you want in the world. You can drink all the milk you want in the world. But if you don't give your body an adequate, you know, uh, resistance piece, you know, and, and, and that's not perfect. Right. You you will you will sometimes overdo it. You will sometimes, you know, kind of push it too far. But I would encourage like any anyone new. Hey, you know what? Fail. You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, like when when your tendons get get sore, you know, because you're, you know, dragging on your bicep a little too much doing, you know, pull ups or something like that. That's what strengthens those tendons. That's what strengthens those limits, you know, ligaments. You know, all these people like choking down glucosamine and stuff like that. Like that's awesome, but you know, why don't you go and like do something? You know what I mean? Like, like I think that that often. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he just went off. Paul, he just went off. Doesn't. That was a good tangent. That was a good. One. <laughs> see, see, Sam's new to this. Like he doesn't realize this is like me nonstop. You know, um, but yeah, so actually we do have, um, Josh was talking and he said, uh, he's going to listen for now. He's been tracking for three weeks. Um, you know, not his first time, just track using my own numbers while I read and listen and learn about to submit for my true EDP numbers this weekend, DEXA scan tomorrow. Only thing I can say about a DEXA scan is just be ready for it to be high. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? I've never had anyone like walk into that, you know, and with a thought process of it's going to be high and then be disappointed. If there's someone, if you walk in, I mean, I remember the first time I body fat tested, I was absolutely certain that I was around 20% and I was 32%, <laughs> you know, um, that was devastating. Like, like, I mean, I, I have to admit, like, <laughs> like I cried, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and what's so funny about it is, is that I've body fat tested thousands of people since then. And I just bring tissues now, you know, because I because I know I know personally what it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's really frustrating because like when I tested at 32 percent, I went from 230 pounds to 185 pounds. So I was 185 pounds. You know, I had already lost, you know what, 40 pounds at that point, you know, um, and 45 pounds, and, and then I'm still 32%, you know, and a lot of it was just because everything that I was doing was just down, 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 not a lot of resistance, a lot of cardio, you know, and, and really, you know, I understood the value of eating more food so I could do more stuff, right? I had finally figured that piece out of it, but I didn't figure out the adaptation part. You know, and once I figured that part out, you know, like Sam probably doesn't know my story, but basically I got stuck at like 21 percent 
you know, and if what's so awesome is just having pictures of your, you know, midsection on the internet. So when your daughters Google you, all they see is like ab shots, you know, but, yeah. but I got stuck at like 21% for like six months. And it just became obvious at that point that if I didn't start lifting weights, that I was never going to get to where I wanted to go. I was going to have to get to 125 pounds to get to 9% and I'd have to eat so little it would be ridiculous. And then, you know, once I started weightlifting, I moved my calories up to about 4,000 calories a day. And then I gained 15 pounds of muscle in six months because my body had just never, you know, you know, I had the new classic newbie gains, but I also had one thing going for me that most people didn't don't early on is that I knew that eating an adequate amount, you know, was already kind of part of the deal. Yeah, you have to understand that calories are what's fueling your performance. If you don't have that, you're gonna have suboptimal performance in the gym and you're not gonna be getting the best adaptation because your performance is gonna suffer. So you have to keep that in mind that uh calories and all that is definitely important to have good training sessions so um that's a big um big mind block for a lot of people they just see calories as you know you have to eat less to lose less but also you have to make sure that you have enough calories for your training so you have enough to perform well in the gym i think a lot of people miss out on that so well one of the things that was happening for me is that you know i went from you know a highly cardio way of doing things to CrossFit. And I wouldn't say that CrossFit's a great building type thing, right? Like I wouldn't consider that near as good as something like, you know, hypertrophy sets or or even something like like powerlifting for someone that's relatively new. Um but but eating, you know, an adequate amount at that point was so so huge. So the gym that you work out with, what do you do? You know, um, I I finally started deadlifts last week. Yay! <laughs> I had shoulder surgery last March, so we've been babying me all yeah. the way up through everything. Um, it's I mean, if you look at it, it looks like a CrossFit gym, but he doesn't do things like that. It's a kind. Of, he's a personal trainer that specializes in post rehab. So we've just kind of slowly been building up, and it's all weights. I don't do traditional cardio there at all i do that on my own yeah yeah i i really like you know um you know walking hiking you know i i do you know kind of a little bit more extreme you know hiking with like weighted packs and stuff like that now you know but when i you know early on you know i just i just did hikes you know um, and, uh, you know, having, I mean, the great thing about weightlifting is you sort of figure out where you are, you know, I mean, like Teresa, who is just a naturally strong person, I think she had deadlifted in the past, but not a lot. I mean, first session, the woman deadlifts 300 pounds, right? So you sort of, yeah, so you, you can, you can really kind of get that bar, you know, hi, I think what happens for a lot of people, there was actually, um, Elizabeth Darsh who, um, you know, she wrote a piece and I, I can't remember exactly what she was saying, but a lot of people have this fear when they first start training that they're going to get hurt. And that's what stops them from actually getting to where they're going to go. 
you know, and, and that's what stops the adaptation and that's what stops, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like this race to the bottom for calories, you know, and then, and then, you know, you never really find a nice thriving metabolism and then, you know, become like this, you know, um, athletic, you know, the most athletic version. I think what, what's, you know, one of the things that I talked about today, like on one of our group coaching calls, you know, is, is how they measure athleticism in a, in a lab, right? So when they go in and measure your VO2 max, the best athletes burn fat the most efficiently, right? And so you go, well, you know, that's awesome news for you saying bolt, but what does that have to do with me, Paul, right? Well, it shows you the path that even though you might not get to Usain Bolt level, right? It's an answer to a little bit of the question. So Sam, like I know you do mostly like bodybuilding like type stuff. I mean, do you do any cardio? Like I know you're a big neat guy. Like what what does your neat look like? Um well right now I I've actually changed it up quite a bit. Um I mean I'm doing I do mostly bodybuilding, powerlifting type style training, hypertrophy work, strength work. Um, but I always include, uh, especially in most of, I mean, my programs that I do myself and for clients, I usually have some type of um, structured cardio in there. Uh, it's usually kind of different compared to like hypertrophy work. If you think about how like muscle gaining and how, how that is, it's usually like I don't know, 60 seconds of work and then you rest and then you work again. So I don't like usually doing that alongside with um, with lifting. I like doing some kind of um, list like low intensity exercise or miss, um, usually around 130 to 150 beats per minute. I usually like and uh, I like 15 to either 30 minutes every day. I do that after my training's over, and I've been implementing that for probably at least over a year, close to a year now, probably, and I've found that during my training, especially during like supersets, it's helped a lot, um, keep my heart rate kind of down. I can do a lot more work without feeling exhausted. When you say supersets, can you describe what supersets are for people that don't sure. know what those are? Yeah. Supersets is just, um, two exercises back to back. So if you're doing say a bench press, um, and then you went over it with a short rest, you did like bent over rows or something like that. That'd be a superset back and forth. Instead of just doing like a set of bench press and then weight and then bench press again and then weight, you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It would be a superset. And usually you're trying to do, you're working similar muscles, but not necessarily the same muscles, right? You can. Yeah, you can. I mean, that'd be a, um, agonist um, supersets. Like if I was doing, say, bench press and I did uh, then like pushdowns for triceps or something like that. That would be like the same type because they're both using the same muscles, triceps in both movements. Um, I'm a fan of doing the opposite. So like doing like a chest with a back exercise. Um, I, there's a lot of benefit. There's actually some research that actually shows that could be beneficial for hypertrophy as well. So it's um, something I like to do. So, Well, what, what's interesting about what Sam is talking about is that it, it's sort of a version of what's called eustress training. When you look at um, eustress training compared to distress training, eustress training, um, I would I really say that most like uh, bodybuilding sets and stuff like that are sort of eustress. 
and then distress would be like CrossFit, right? And um, or, or or really even like powerlifting at maxes, um, where you're really stressing out your central nervous system in a in a major way, and both those have value, right? Um, I would argue that eustress actually has more value if you look at, you know, like professional, you know, if you look at Olympians, professional football players, CrossFit Games athletes, a lot of people think that like Rich Froning does six wads a day. He doesn't, you know, he might only do three wads a week, right? Um, a lot of the time he's doing mostly eustress training. That way he's getting in more rest so he can get in more volume because at the end of the day no matter where you are what you are what you're doing volume makes the biggest difference you know and so the more volume that you can get in that allows for adequate recovery the better that you're going to be yeah you, yeah, you yeah you definitely don't want um your rest periods especially in like hypertrophy program to affect the amount of sets and reps you could do. Uh, but the reason I brought that up with supersets is I, I, I felt myself and the people I've worked with that adding in that cardio and consistently increasing the intensity and or duration in a, in a, in a program has helped um, maintain um, and get better volume in without feeling exhausted. And I've seen that benefit quite a few people. So I think the whole of, don't do any form of cardio at all. Um, I don't think that's very, it's a good statement to say for most people. I mean, especially if you're not very active, you just sit at a desk all day. You know, if you're a construction worker or something like that, or a very active person outside the gym, that's definitely a different story. But for somebody who's just like sits at a desk, I think implementing some type of cardio alongside of weight training, I think it can benefit you more ways than one. So, well, what? I mean, when you break down cardiovascular, what it means is heart health, right? Like that's what we're talking about. And so, you know, I think it's sort of funny that people take some level of pride in the fact that they don't take their heart health exercise seriously. And I always, you know, I mean, I'm not like Mr. Cardio, you know what I mean? But at the same time, um, when you're looking at overall recovery, and you, if you know that volume matters, right, then, you know, cardio is another way to allow for more rest and recovery. The better, you know, the, the better your resting heart rate is, the better you're going to be able to recover. You know, there's just all kinds of positives to having cardio in the mix, you know. And then we could talk about timing of exercises and things of that nature. You know, I know early on, you know, one of the problems that I had, um, you know, CrossFit when I first started off, which was like six years ago at this point, was nowhere near as good as it is right now. You know, I don't think that most people realize how much better CrossFit has gotten over the years. Um, but I wouldn't say that CrossFit got better necessarily. I would say that the coaches that own gyms became more interested in, um, you know, training and getting clients better, right? I mean, if you can get clients better, you're going to stay in business. You know, if you don't get clients better, they're going to leave for orange theory, right? So that, that's sort of how it works, you know? And so, um, you know, as the gyms have gotten better, as they periodize their work, you know, um, 
you see you see athletes sort of improving. I still think like the nutrition piece for a lot of gyms um, can be a little lacking, and I, I think the reason why that is is because you know for a lot of gyms you know it's very tempting to go to the most simplistic answer you know, and I think that you know uh, like what Rena admitted to. Um, I, I don't know that that's, you know, 100%. Like, I would say that, you know, having Burger King, you know, occasionally um, probably didn't represent, like, the majority of your life, right? Yeah, and so what, it, what, what happens is, is that people overthink that. So if you, said to your, if you said to your coach, you know, I had Burger King last week, he might make the assumption that you're having Burger King all the time and that you that's the real problem when in fact that's actually not the problem, right? And so as you know, a lot of people will ask us in the beginning, why why do I need to log food? Why is that important? Well, it's important because you know we it's our way of understanding, you know, how that works. I don't know what is happening, but yeah. Let's see. I'm just going to start muting people. Oh, it was Jenna. That's better. <laughs> That's hilarious. I got it the first shot. Impressive. So, um, so let's see. Josh was asking, oh, quick question. Can you talk a bit about the different types of training days and how to account for them differently or just not to worry about them? Well, I'll tell you how I account for them differently. Um, I'm not a huge fan of saying, you know, my Fitbit says, you know, 3000 calories and therefore I eat exactly 3000 calories, though I do have an article that does say specifically that, right? But I was trying to point out to people that, you know, they were scared of eating that Fitbit number. And I was hearing a lot of people talk about the fact that, you know, it did, it, you know, it's just not correct at all, you know, and I was pointing out to them that I could eat that number, stay the same weight. I was taking pictures of my weight every single day, you know. So how do you account for it differently? Okay, so here's what I think. One, I think if you're kind of new and scared, okay, you can use your rest days to create a little bit more of a cal calorie deficit, kind of keeping your, your carbs a little bit lower on those, those days. That's, that's one strategy. That's not the strategy I use, okay? The strategy that I use is I want to make sure that I'm not eating in such a big deficit on the days that I'm not working out, so then it sort of drags into the days that I do work out. And then my workouts are only, you know, 60 to 80%. I want to make sure that my workouts are 100% most of the time. One thing that a lot of people, you know, Josh didn't ask this, but I'm going to answer it. One thing that people don't account for a lot is sleep. And if you're sleeping five hours a night and, and trying to work out, you're working out at 60%, whether you know it or not, right? You know? And, and, and we've got the data to back that up because we've got hundreds of athletes using athletes that are basically your heart rate variability. If you asked me and you asked everybody that has an athlete, what is the biggest factor um, 
for their numbers going down, it is always sleep, right? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, sleep is, sleep is super huge. And so, you know, it's sort of like, you know, your car keys. You know, you want to make sure that your car keys are in the same spot every single day so then you don't have to worry about that. That's sort of what sleep's like, you know. And if you're if you don't prioritize sleep, if you prioritize Jimmy Kimmel over sleep, if you prioritize, you know, all these other things, you know, it's not going to allow you to get in 100% workouts and 100% workouts matter, right? Um, so eating an adequate amount of food on your rest days, you know, one of the things that Sam talked about earlier, he said that he'd been doing something for about a year. And if you're a new trainee, a lot of times this all gets a little overwhelming. But when you have already solved various pieces, you can move, you, you're, you're like, it's like a foundation. And you've built on that foundation, and then you can sort of move on. But one of the nicest things about being Sam, myself, Catherine, um, is that we don't have to worry about the immediate, right? We have, you know, I mean, we're, none of us are 100%, you know? Like, I'm sure Sam sitting down is going, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, I've got, like, an extra 1% body fat. I'm not totally shredded, you know? Um, I mean, I feel that, you know? And when, when you know, my sleep is not good, when my, you know, when I'm, you know, maybe sick, you know, something like that, you know, one of the best things I ever heard was gains ain't loyal, you know, and I saw that on a, on a t-shirt and I mean, like, I mean, do you ever feel that Sam where like, if you can't work out for like a week and you just like look in the mirror and you go, what the hell happened to my body? Oh yeah, definitely. And like yeah, it happens, yeah. it, it happens so yeah. fast. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I think even like you said, sleep is, is huge. Like, uh, one time last week, I think uh, my sleep was messed up or I was busy doing something late and I only got like four hours of sleep. I went to the gym. It's supposed to be a heavy session and the same weight three days um, earlier was insanely heavy. Like, yeah, it was it's, like it's, it's crazy how, how you just perceive that um, when you don't have your rest, how big of a difference that actually makes for sure. So, yeah. And so I, I think that, that you know, kind of the to, to answer Josh's question or wrap it up, is that if you're first starting off and you're sort of scared and you you don't want to you know gain a lot of weight you know um, go ahead and take it easy use those rest days to to create a little bit of a deficit but you know if you're not scared of a little weight gain you know I'd say two three pounds for females three to five pounds for males you know go ahead and give athleticism a shot you know and usually what that means is kind of keeping your carbs at a relatively reasonable level. Like a lot of times, you know, the standard recommendation that you'll see is that rest days, you know, 100 to 150 less carbs, you know, depending on how many carbs that you have. Basically, all we're really talking about is calorie balance. We're just playing with calorie balance based on your level of activity. And, you know, if you have a Fitbit, you can sort of sort of see how that looks like. Um, but... When we're really talking about, you know, 
how to get a thriving metabolism. We're talking about muscle. We're talking about work. We're talking about doing, you know, and, um, you know, when you're looking at fat loss down the road through performance-focused fat loss, you want to be able to use that trigger. But if you don't have that trigger in place, you've been too cautious, right? You've had deficits on rest days, you know, too often, fine to do it, but it's not going to allow you to get to where you ultimately want to go, right? That's a simple answer. Um, he did give examples. Well, one, thing, one thing I want to add really quick, yeah. um, especially on, on rest days, it, it doesn't mean you have to just be a couch potato. I mean, like, just because you're not going to the gym, I mean, like you say, you go hiking, like you can, you can do stuff. Um, I see a lot of people, they go like, oh, it's my rest day. Uh, it's going to be a lazy slob. Like you don't have to, I mean, you can still be active just because you're not going to the gym. And uh, I think a lot of people uh, <laughs> miss out on that. Uh, and one thing I do want to say about the, uh, the Fitbit, I think it's a great, uh, it's a great tracker. And I think some people put in too much, too much into it. Um, like you said, some people are too scared to eat that number. But it's just it's just to be consistent. You know, if the Fitbit says you're burning 4,000 calories a day or whatever for an activity, you eat 4,000 calories and you're gaining weight. It's not that you're wrong or the Fitbit's wrong. It's just somewhere to for you to have an idea so you can track. Yeah. Maybe you only you need to eat 3,500 when the, the Fitbit says 4,000. It just kind of gives you a a general idea. So it, it just because there's so many other factors that the Fitbit isn't getting, but it's a good tool to keep you conscious of you know your steps and calories and just kind of gives you an idea well a great example of what you're talking about is is on rest days right so mm -hmm. you know previous you know the fitbit it's so funny because like when i started wearing a fitbit you know everybody's like oh my god paul got a fitbit i gotta get a fitbit you know um i started wearing a fitbit because my daughter wanted one to start tracking her sleep Right. So she could kind of get a feel for what that looked like. And I, I was like looking at it from the sleep data and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to have, you know. And so that's why I got one. But it really alerted me quickly to the fact that I was doing what Sam said, you know, where I wasn't being as diligent in going for walks around the neighborhood or, you know, you know, I was allowing those rest day calories to get, get too low. And, you know, when you look at, like I said, thriving metabolism, hundred percent workouts, things of this nature, you know, those walks made a difference, you know, adding in that, you know, walk around the neighborhood that represents roughly 500 calories. Well, now I could eat a little bit more freely and then I can walk into the next day's workout a little bit better. You know, the thing about, you know, kind of establishing a ballpark, you know, and, and we have, you know, one of our most popular articles is your Fitbit and your metabolism might not be friends yet, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that's the truth, you know, um, and, and I think that that's what we're really trying to kind of highlight for a lot of people and then kind of emphasize sort of the, the performance, performance thing. But I think more than than anything, you know, if you're new, you know, that it's not just, you know, the idea of, you know, asking us a question, doing it, and then all of a sudden you see a result. It's really like asking a question, it, doing it, 
getting a result and then all of a sudden you've solved that one piece of the puzzle, right? And if you have thousand pieces of the puzzle and you're gradually solving, it creates like this, it really creates almost like self-esteem, you know? And it provides a path where you go, okay, my car keys are over here every single day, so I don't have to worry about my car keys anymore, right? And then I know that if I do X amount of cardio, you know, that's going to allow for a certain amount of recovery. It's going to allow for, you know, more flexibility in the way I eat. And then, you know, you just gradually start adding to that, you know, and I'm just going crazy with the analogies today, but, you know, it's almost like Legos, you know, you're just like putting pieces and puzzles. You do a routine. That's yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, Susan, you're, you're sitting here on webcam, you know, how are things going for you? And I mean, do you have any questions or anything that you can think of right off the bat? Because we're just sort of, you know. Um, I have confessions. So this is my very first one. I've never been used a webcam ever. Um, so I started uh, back in December. I went all in. Like, I'm talking about all in. Like, I got my TDE. I'm like, yeah, I ate everything. And I'm like, holy shit. Excuse my language. No, that's okay. This is an explicit podcast. Like, week, and I'm like. That doesn't look right. So Jordy was awesome. She looked at everything. I had to kind of retrain myself and kind of pump the brakes a little bit um, because my background is like show prep meals, bodybuilding, CrossFit. So very restricted. Talking about the kale and chicken. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, situation. So I'm very disciplined when it comes down to it because I love food so much and I stress eat and I, I love food. Um, it is it's, it tortures me. So I got into that really bad habit of show prepping, cleaning out, shredded up good, and kind of easing off a little bit. Everything would come back. It fluffed again, a lot of water hold. So when I started to ghost follow you guys, um, it was very intriguing because it's flexible, it's reasonable, and you can actually, people actually do it. So I want to be one of those people. But in December, I really screwed it up. So I kind of threw in the towel. I said, screw it. I can't do it. Just binged it like through the holidays. January came. I saw the offer of the lifer. I'm like, you know what? I need to do something different. So I joined. And honestly, I've been like stalking everybody behind the scenes just to kind of get myself back in because I really scared myself by going gung-ho on all my macros, hitting them. Um, and I, I think I really scared myself. But it's nice to see the support systems and watch, for instance, like these in educating myself and kind of trying to believe in the process without getting too choked up on uh, worrying about gaining the wrong weight, eating the wrong stuff, um, being like OCD about it. Yeah. Well, when when we did, um, I don't know. I mean, you you're, sound like you would be familiar with the, the name Lane Norton. Does that mean anything to you? So we were at the Granite Games and I did a podcast with Lane Norton, which was really good. If you, you know, if, if you don't know where it is, um, either Sam or Catherine can get it to you and post it in the forums because it was really, really good. It's actually in iTunes, so you can just grab it. But it was funny because he was talking to me about one of his physique, you know, people and you know he was almost bragging that they were eating like 1800 calories and what was funny was 
because you know Jordy, right? Jordy eats over 3,000 calories every day. Leone eats over 3,000 calories every day. Caitlin eats over 3,000 calories every day. So, I mean, like when I said that to Lane Norton, he almost choked, you know? Um, and I mean, this is someone that, that, you know, is obviously not new to the party, but it, it's, you know, I think that, you know, the failures provide the light that provides the path, you know? And so I don't think you're the only one that kind of did the holidays wrong. You know, I think that the, the question is, is are you doing the holidays to a point where you're digging such a big hole that, you know, you're kind of in this, you know, you know, binge and, 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 and kind of restrict cycle, right? That doesn't land you in a place of, of understanding. I'll tell you from my standpoint, um, December wasn't great, but it wasn't super bad either. Probably the biggest problem that I have is that um, when I'm eating instinctively, I will often um, kind of undereat, you know, and, and, and then it'll affect my sleep and workouts and things of this nature. And then, you know, eat to perform. I mean, you know, in case you haven't figured it out, we're sort of in the diet world, right? And so what ends up happening is, you know, there's a lot of stress around this time of year. And so everything was just sort of messed up. I mean, one of the things that I say to people all the time is that if you slept four hours last night, and you have an hour for a nap or an hour for working out, I would argue that the, the nap would be better for you. <laughs> you know, um, In January, though, when I started to get to a point where my defaults are this. Okay, my defaults are food and my defaults are volume, right? And so when January came along, you know, that's when I made the, the Force of Nature video. It's actually a force of more than just force of nature video. Um, but, you know, and I talked about how I was going to increase my volume and I did. And, you know, I did get a little sick. I don't know if it's because of the volume. I don't know if it's because it's 15 below in Minnesota, you know, but something happened. Um, and then I got a little cold. It's like no big deal. You know what I mean? It's like I was saying, you know, with my bicep, my bicep got aggravated by all the pull-ups. You know, it didn't stop me from just working around, you know, that, you know, um, inconvenience. And that's the way that, you know, this all kind of works. So I think that, yeah, I mean, like for you, you know, um, you know, kind of sticking with the game, you know, and then kind of learning from role models, you know, I mean, Jordy's a great role model, you know. I think that, you know, in, in your instance, though, I mean, do you ever feel like, because I'm interested to know, do you feel like, like, it's bad to, you know, want to have an aesthetic? You know what I'm saying? Like, I sometimes feel like people think that, you know, the message that we're sending is, you know, all work, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you, you know, have abs or not right i mean i like people to be focused on the right things but at the same time i mean we are sort of in it for a result right you know and what are your thoughts on that because i mean as someone that's come from a you know kind of a, a physique background or whatever you know is is that does that feel like a conflict for you or no 
the conflict. I think I have, I mean, it's just the obsession of uh, body image on top of um, wanting to eat what I want, but I'm not at work. And it's, it's hard because aesthetics are there. And for me, and this is just me as a woman, I don't know if I can speak for all, but, you know, when you start to see body composition change because your diet changes, then you want to revert back to, like you've mentioned in some of your writings, like you go back to what you know that works, but it's a short, quick solution. It's not sustainable. And I'm obsessed with a lot of that stuff. And even now, because of the holidays, I'm trying to get back on track. I know I can do it, but I know I can do it the old way. Right. But do you, do you like if, when I say I default to volume, does that feel like something that's true for you or do you default to eating less? Eating less. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can relate, um, because I'm on that physique kind of side and I would like to chime in a little bit. Cause I know, Susan, I know exactly kind of what you're talking about. Like, um, I haven't competed myself, but I have been pretty lean. I don't know if you've competed before or anything like that. Have you competed or no, people always told me I should. I just, I don't. I did it for me. I mean. Yeah. But you got pretty low body fat, though, at one point. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but and it then, wasn't healthy for me. I just, well, you know, I knew, I knew eventually it was just going to. Yeah. And when you when you get to, when you get that low body fat, it's it can mess with your head so much that as soon as you start seeing any kind of gain at all, the whole body dysmorphia, you know, like right. you go, I can't, like, and then you go, I need to cut calories now. And it's like, it's, it's something that you. Um, you definitely need to work out, like I said before, about calories being energy for your workouts. Um, just think about it more as, you know, the more calories I'm eating, the more efficient, better workouts I can get. So the more muscle I can gain, it's, it's not about the, it's just about the cutting the calories. I know it's, it's a hard mindset because I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, By the way, just, just to interrupt for just a second, I also know where you're coming from. Okay. Yeah. I mean, don't think that I went from 230 pounds to 150 pounds. And when I got to 175, trust me, it freaked the hell out of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to ruin everything. You know, mm-hmm. even though, you know, all the body fat tests were positive, things were going in the right direction there, you know, there is, like Josh was talking about doing the DEXA scan earlier. The problem with DEXA scan, I mean, I've, like, at the University of Minnesota, they they giggle when I come in the door because I've done more body fat testing than anyone ever has done at the University of Minnesota, right? Well, at least at that time. I haven't done them in a while. But I would say if if I've done, let's say, 39, something like that, I've only had maybe four that actually worked exactly the way that I thought they would, right? Like, you never quite get exactly what you wanted, but it points you in the direction that you need to go, if that makes sense. And I think that, you know, early on, of course, you know, like when I was 230, I just quit eating like a moron, you know, I saw like immediate results. Wow, that's awesome. You know, and then, you know, as, as the process, you know, started to need to get better, um, you know, that happened, but I, that is not a woman thing, just so you know, I mean, it just isn't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not, it's not all, I started at, 
Um, I don't know if you know, I was around 245 at my heaviest, and I got down to about 170 at my lightest. Right now, I'm sitting about 200, 205. And, um, but at that time, like any kind of weight gain, it made me freak out, you know, because that's like, because I came from being overweight to a degree and not working out that it always, it always scares you. You go like, if I eat this and I overeat and I see the scale go up, I'm going to become fat again. And it's like, you need to, you need to get over that mindset about just about calories and, and, and dieting, but as the calories being the energy source for your workouts, so you can gain muscle. Cause if you don't gain weight, you're not going to gain any muscle or strength. So um, I think that's, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to get through, but something to really take note. So, well, Susan, yeah. how, how old are you? I'm 38. I'm going to be 39 in two months. Okay. So I mean, so, and to add to that, I also was an overweight person. I lost 75 pounds. I've mm-hmm. kept majority of it off. If for me, my personal opinion, I feel like I'm 20 pounds over. That's just because I was comfortable at 150, 155. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been to that struggle of being overweight, losing it all, keeping it off. CrossFit changed my life, keeping it off. Um, but now it's just the battle with having a good relationship with food. Absolutely. Well, and it's yeah. also, it sounds like a little bit the battle of, of getting better at exercise, you yeah. know, because I mean, you know, the, the best example that, I mean, there's, there's a million examples, but you know, the best example that I could think of is Danny Haran, you know, who, you know, last year going into the CrossFit games, um, you know, we had to had her diet down, um, to under 145. She was 16%. You know, which, you know, I don't think Julie would have any problems me saying this, but when we measure Julie Fouché, right, a lot, you know, a lot of people look at her within the CrossFit community and think, you know, wow, she's got a really good physique. You know, she's like 15, 16%, you know. And so I think that there's like these extreme goals, you know. But in Danny's instance, you know, we had her, we had her go down to 140. I, I just don't think you know, that in general, that she's meant to be, you know, a 135 pound person. Like, I think she's just supposed to be between 140 and 150. When she started out, she was 15, 16%. And then right over the CrossFit game, obviously she had a little bit of an injury and wasn't able to compete, but she was at 12%. And I mean, she was shredded, you know, and, you know, roughly the same weight, roughly 150 pounds, you know. And so she, she had been able to gain six pounds of lean mass and you go, well, how? Well, food and work, you know? And the one thing that I think made a really big difference for Danny, you know, and, and once again, we're talking about volume, you know, and for her, the added volume was some level of cardio, you know, and she got in a lot more long sessions at that point. Um, and, and that made a big difference for her. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I would probably put that challenge out to you a little bit, you know, like, like thinking of the volume aspect rather than kind of always snuggling up to, to the lower calories. And, and oh, by the way, it's just, it's just more fun, you know? I mean, like, I don't know, Sam, for you, like at, at 205, um, okay, so obviously, you know, being, you know, four to 5% is fun, right? But, you know... It's not fun. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, if you're being truthful, you're right. It's not fun. Right. And it's not like fun. Yeah. And yeah. so, so, 
you know, I mean, I think that people aren't very realistic about, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, well, even, well, even, we, even when you get that low body fat, um, like you think it's some Holy grail. And, yes. um, I mean, if you're competing and then of course, like, and that's what your whole goal is, you want to win a show, of course, but if you're just doing it just for yourself, a lot of the times, a lot of people, you're not very happy when you're that lean, you know, you feel like death and you don't, you can't eat a lot of food. Your energy is just horrible. You just want to sleep all day. And it's not, it's not a good mindset. And that's why I said what, what Susan was saying, like, I understand that um, it takes a little bit to understand that calories is, is what's fueling your workouts and your strength and your muscle growth. If you don't have that you're feeling, and you're trying to sit around 10% body fat for a woman or, or, um, you know, 5% for a guy, it's just, it's not going to work for your hormones and just for your overall health and just everything. It's just. Well, and I even, I even think that about CrossFit games athletes, like, you know, the thing mm -hmm. that always weirds me out about like physique competitors, it, it, same thing with CrossFit games, you know, it's like, rather than say 5%, seven to 8% is like all the money. I mean, like your, your, your top, you know, 1% of 1%. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not enough. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the same thing with like, like CrossFit games competitors. I mean, there's only one rich frony. So that guy gets $275,000 then everybody else gets virtually nothing. And then they're yeah. working their ass off all the time. You know, they're a trainer at a gym. Maybe they even own their gym. Owning a gym, trust me, ain't the end all be all. Right. It's, it, you know, it's not, you know, nobody's driving a Ferrari. Um, <laughs> And so, so the the end game, I think, is kind of based in not a lot of good feelings, you know, mm -hmm. and that, you know, I think that a lot of the people that are okay, you know, at that seven to eight percent, you know, and a female at, you know, 15 to 20, you know, mentally, that is just a better place to be, you know, for a lot of people. You know, and so, so yeah, that would be my challenge to you, Susan, is like just to really kind of focus on the volume side of things and, and really make that performance kind of a fun part. And, and I know, you know, I know that, you know, um, we all have aesthetic goals. And I mean, I don't, especially in these, these classes where we're talking to people who've been eat performing for a while, you know, I, I definitely want to say to everyone that we want to help you from an aesthetic standpoint. You know, I think one of the things that happens with, with slot and meal planning and all this other type of stuff is that everybody gets like really happy with their journey, right? They were really super confused. They're not as confused anymore. And then I'm like, oh yeah, but remember you wanted to lose that 20 pounds. How's that going? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then people, people lose that focus. So you know, that's a little bit of what these classes are about. Um, okay, so I, you know, we haven't really had a lot of questions, um, and, but we, we covered a lot of ground. So I think we'll just end it right there unless something somebody's got something last minute that they want to talk about. Um, there was someone that raised a question. Melissa has raised an, a question, so I'm going to try and see if I can make her a, a, a panelist. She raised her hand. So, Melissa, I, 
I upgraded you to a panelist to see if we could try to answer your question. Hopefully she's still here, but maybe she's left. Um, let me see if I can get Aubrey as well. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear you. And actually, you could even move to a webcam if you wanted to. Okay, excellent. Well, I appreciate listening in tonight. Yeah, so, I mean, did you have any questions? Because we were about to shut it down, but I saw that you had your hand raised, and I wanted to make sure that we were able to address your question. So, I actually, this is the first time I did it, so I did it by accident, but I'm actually glad that you did prompt to ask me, because I was listening to a lot of things you were saying, and a lot of the shortcomings that you were saying is, you work hard, you eat for that, and the day you're off, you don't eat that much, and that's sort of one of the pitfalls I fall into. So that's something I need to try to learn how to correct. One of the things that I would really encourage a lot of you guys to do, um, especially, you know, how old are you, Melissa? 37. Okay, so when I talk, I'm going to need you to mute your mic because I'm getting feedback off of your mic. Um, what I would encourage you guys to do you know, you have one of the best resources available to you, and that's Catherine. Um, Catherine is one of our coaches. She's had so much success with Eat Perform. It is unreal. She's been on the coaching staff for almost two years. Um, and I would say if you're trying to sort of piece that stuff together, she is one of the more patient people. Um, she understands the process back and forth. And so make sure that you're, you know, connecting with her. That said, okay, I think the tendency is to want to talk and try and solve pieces of the puzzles by talking. One of the things I say to people whenever we do these, these webinars is don't come to three a week. <laughs> you know, like really what you want to do is you want to come to one, but I want those other two hours of the day for work, you know? And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, sort of what, what Susan was talking about a little bit, but really a lot of people, you know, kind of fall into this trap a little bit, is they get really interested in Eat to Perform, and they, you know, they're asking questions, and they're reading articles, and they're coming to webinars, and, and this and that, but they don't do the piece related to the work. They don't do, you know, like, like, they don't take, you know, the knowledge and move it to an action place, you know, and, um, and, and they try to, you know, and, and try to move their workouts from basically kind of, you know, where they're at, where they're sort of stalled to a place where they're getting better. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. And that's one of the things that I think Catherine can really help out with a lot. But, but obviously, Sam's a resource. Chris is a resource. Myself. So. Yeah, because I think um, I actually joined last year and I have. And I usually have no problem with actually, I like to implement the workouts. My problem is, is actually following a scheduled prepared meal plan. 
Mm-hmm. Because I have no problem with eating healthy, but when it comes to like so much macros at this point in time, before and after, that's something where my program falls apart. And on top of that, I'm, I'm in the military and I got injured in deployment and I just had a total hip replacement, nerve damage and all this stuff. So a lot of what I was able to do, I can't do. And I have problems with finding the new, the new high, if you will, like hard workout to get me to where I want to be that I actually could do physically and without hurting myself. Well, walking, you know, I mean, walking is a great way. So the one thing I cannot do is walk. So I could walk up stairs. I could walk up hills, but walking on flat ground is what causes me the most pain out of everything. So I cycle. I've been cycling. There you go. And I've been trying to swim, but I could do the combat side stroke when the front crawl, the flutter crick kick is what causes me pain. So yeah. You want is to allow me to get the, th- the thrill and the want to get there without feeling, you know, put down and I can't do what I was able to do. Yeah. I think, I think a big part of it is just going to figure out what works, right? Are you in the meal planning group? I'm sorry. Say again. Are you in the meal planning group? Um, well, I just joined again like two days ago. So I was you know, last year. So this is something new I'm getting into. Okay. So get so in the meal plan. Like if you get in the meal planning group on Facebook, that'll be a big addition. Um, so, you know, definitely reach out to Catherine, myself, whatever, we'll get you in. Um, but that is awesome because you'll get a lot of direction and a lot of things that you're probably struggling with. That'll be a good answer right. for it. All right, you guys. Well, we're going to shut it down. I appreciate everybody being here, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Later.